I think at that time, it's more like we are building the plane while we're flying it. I was so anxious. So my focus was more like, oh, let's just try a subset of data. Let's fit in a lot of models quickly get out of us. But I have to say, you helped me hold myself to a higher engineering standard. That conflict actually, Daliana, at the time, it gave me so much stress. You know, it was the- Yeah. The, we were not a, talking. No. What's your but side of the story? Hello, everyone. Welcome to the Data Scientist Show. Today, we have Maddie Nuri. Maddie is an applied science manager at the Generative AI Innovation Center at Amazon. Previously, he was an applied scientist at Machine Learning Solutions Lab, where we used to work together. We collaborated on a computer vision project and we didn't quite get along. And today <laughs> we'll talk about that story, the conflict we had and how we resolved it and become good friends. And today we're recording this episode at Maddie's amazing living room studio in Brooklyn. So before Amazon, Maddie was a data scientist working on marketing intelligence at Nelson. He did a postdoc at MIT Sustainability Hub. He has a PhD from University of Central Florida in civil engineering and sustainability. Welcome to the show, Maddie. Thank you, Daliana. I'm super excited to be here. You know, I've been just waiting for this moment to sit down and chat with you, Daliana. Absolutely. Uh, cheers. 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 <laughs> Daliana and I, we work together, I think, in San Francisco. It was during the pandemic, right? Yeah. Yeah. So we went to a project together and you were the lead on that project. I was the lead on the project. <laughs> so to give people some context, it was a computer vision project where we wanted to help our customers to predict whether there would be a soccer goal <laughs> in the next few seconds. Yeah. Uh, so it's a action recognition project and we have a, a blog post on it. I will link it in the show notes. There was a very fun challenge in the project because yeah. the data wasn't annotated. And I remember each of us had to watch over, I don't know, hundreds of soccer <laughs> goals to make sure the timestamp was correct, right? right? In one yeah. afternoon. And after that, I didn't want to watch soccer <laughs> for a few months. And I remember you said something. You mentioned... Basically, whenever you have your data ready, the project is 80% done. So yeah. we, we spend like two weeks just annotate the data data, before yeah. we fine tune the model. Computer vision models are usually pretty mature. So even if we only had a couple hundreds data point, it was pretty good in yeah. the classification tasks. So the project was very successful. But while we're working on the project, we had a disagreement <laughs> and uh, we're going to get to it. It's a great story. But let's talk about Maddie's career journey first, because he had a quite an unconventional path to data science. So how did you get into it? OK, where do I start? So, yeah, my background is actually in civil engineering. I did bachelor's in civil engineering and then a master's in construction management in my country, Iran. And then I did work in construction projects in, you know, various parts of my country, mostly building roads and bridges in the deserted areas. 
I think the last project that I was a project manager for, it was like a high-rise building, which was energy efficient and almost smart building. And at that point, I was very fascinated by the concept of using, say, a smart lighting fixtures or have a system that governs the behavior mm. of this building, right, right, from an intelligent point of view. So I decided to move to United States. I remember that I applied for like 10 schools. I woke up one day and I had to take the TOEFL exam and GRE exam. <laughs> yep. And then I applied for 10 schools and a few of them gave me, you know, admission without any funds, including the University of Central Florida in mm -hmm. Orlando, Florida. So I had some friends there and I was like, you know, that's that's like a good start. I have some friends there. So that's when I moved to the UCF and I started working in almost like an environmental sustainability lab where we worked on various projects. We started working from, you know, wind turbine integration in buildings. How does it play out? Topics such as life cycle assessment, triple bottom line analysis. And then I got a master's from UCF because I thought if I get a PhD, I'm not going to make any money. <laughs> <laughs> so I got the master's and then I moved to Boston. And then I worked at a utility firm working on net zero, you know, energy efficiency incentives. And then that company actually didn't sponsor for my visa. So mm. I was left without basically any visa status. Right. At that point, I had to come back to Orlando. I did take a PhD in sustainability and then I led the lab for a year. But then, you know, things happened and I ended up at MIT doing a postdoc for two years. I was going to go for becoming, you know, and working as an like an academic person in yeah. sustainability. However, this country decided to choose a person who deprioritizes the earth. So a lot of the sustainability funds were actually cut in 2017, 2018 yeah. period. So then I decided to like finally go after something that makes the most money at the time, <laughs> which was data science. You know? Yeah. So yeah. Um, How did you know data scientists <clears throat> make more money than what you did before? I mean, it was the world of the street. And then also the, the number of job posting in data science were a lot. And then the signals I would get from my friends that, hey, you know, this is, you know, go and read this a statistics book or, yeah. you know, I did know coding. Mm. I did know the basic concept of machine mm. learning. Of course, you can't get a PhD without knowing regression. Like you got to know. No. Or like classification. You got to know those concepts. Yeah. But from like the actual data science side of things how do you structure a data science problem how do you go about solving it you know that was pretty new to me mm. so then yeah I, I i joined data camp and that was basically the start of how how I got in so i went through this data camp for one month it was basically for a month i was uh, locked into this camp for 300 hours yeah. while also working full time at MIT yeah so that was pretty challenging i then participated in a few kaggle competitions oh wow yeah i participated and guess what i won a bronze medal and i won a silver medal on competitions mm -hmm. and i was like all right this is not like that hard you know yeah. i could figure things out so then I applied for a job at uh, a company in marketing intelligence. 
And I get it. I get the job. It was super exciting. It was in Boston. I lived in Boston. Fantastic. I even went and I bought a new car. Like I was very excited. Yeah, living a <laughs> life. Did the experience in cow competition help you get absolutely, a job? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, here's the thing. If you're an outsider from any uh, career, you're an outsider. You want to uh, get into get into the you know, whatever the role you want to get. I think there are three different aspects to it. It's the location of mm. where you're going to work, the industry and the role. So uh, a lot of us maybe want a career that fits the three of them all mm. at the same time. But oftentimes, actually, we have to choose one and then jump to the other. For example, you could be like, hey, I want to work and live in New York City in the finance sector and I want to become like a quant, right? You could choose either. I mean, you can move to New York and then find the industry and then find the role. You could get into the role and then move. For me, I think Kaggle was the key to get into the data science role, right? So the location and the industry was still not what I wanted, but I took them, I took, to, uh, I mean, participated in those competitions and that basically added to the brand that mm. I am presenting. Yeah, know? yeah. So especially if you're an outsider, you want to have some features showing in your resume that yeah. you know, I could do the job, you know. Okay, cool. Yeah. So how did you get into Amazon? Amazon, that's an interesting uh, story. So yeah, what happened though with that company, because I moved to Chicago after that, probably the most challenging times of my career were those days that you're completely new to the industry. And then my colleague left to the uh, competitor. The other colleague went to maternity leave. And then my, my kind of like manager was almost laid off because the company went through like a merger and acquisition. And at the time, you know, you're a junior data scientists, you have no idea how the organization, like these large organizations mm. work. For me, yeah. that was like such a big deal. Nowadays, I see reorgs every day, you know, and then yeah. nothing breaks me. But at that time, like a little rework really made me stressed. So I packed all my life and I moved to Chicago. Mm. When I was in Chicago, uh, I liked the job. I'm not going to lie. It was super amazing to work as a developer back in or oh, not back in uh, a data science like the, whoever that develops that engine of optimization that takes you know an input and optimizes you know passes an input we worked on that so it was a lot of technical work a lot of you know thinking and it was great but a little bit slow for my pace because I needed the action, I needed to see things in production, I needed to actually have an interaction with the customers. I, I love them. Yeah. So then I applied for uh, this role at Machine Learning Solutions Lab in yeah San Francisco, mm -hmm. and I didn't know deep learning. I remember that Priya, which I had the first phone call. So uh, Priya was our manager when we yeah. joined Machine Learning Solutions Lab, and she also hired. I think also she hired me. Yeah, Tried so what too. was your experience with Priya? I mean, she's amazing. So I had the interview, the phone call with Priya, everything went well, the initial screening. And at the end of the call, she goes, yes, your next interview will be in deep learning. I'm mm -hmm. like, wow. Okay, let's get into it. So I, I remember it was... So in Chicago, the best month of the year is in July, yeah. right? It's fantastic. Weather is great. Everyone's out there, you know, hanging out by the lake. And in the, you know, in the restaurants, great food. I was really looking forward to 
having fun in Chicago, but I found myself just for maybe six to seven weeks or five weeks sitting down, not moving and taking the deep learning AI by Andrew Ang course and then, you know, reading, you know, Yashio Bengio's papers and just getting myself into the mud completely learning about convolutional neural nets and, you know, recurrent neural nets. It was quite, you know, a transformational experience for me, just basically going deep day to night, nonstop, every right. single So day. you had three weeks to prepare for the deep learning, five, five, five weeks. Yeah. And I passed it. I yeah. passed the course. I passed. Yeah. It was like a coding. I remember I had to code a CNN block from scratch mm -hmm. so i did it it was it was like when i finished i was like great <laughs> yeah awesome so yeah yeah so when you uh joined machine learning solution lab what what was it like what did you do yeah so like i said i mean going back to uh, you know the priya conversation i think she gave me an opportunity to work and be the lead on one of the sports vertical projects yeah which was, I took it, and I think I did a fantastic job there. Mm. I just worked on it day and night, yeah. you know. And then maybe like an advice for, not an advice, like a recommendation for whoever that is joining a new company or a new role would be the first three months are, in my opinion, are super critical. And one suggestion would be no matter what, just find a way to have an early win. Right. So you want to just like have an early win. It could be jumping on a semi even awkward project and bring a value. It could be, you know, just helping a teammate with something. It could be just jumping on a publication and do additional work to make it more prepared for submission. It could be anything. It could be like pushing a line of code to a repository, you know. Yeah. So that was fantastic for me you know, just having the opportunity to do that. Yeah. So when we were at Machine Learning Solution Lab, you worked on the sports industry, working with NFL. Can you tell us what were you working on? What was the project like? What's the problem you're trying to solve? Yeah. So on the sports side, I think we, at the time, uh, like the first one was with Six Nations. We also like published a, a blog post. It was Game of Rugby to basically predict the the penalty probability right so there are some pe penalties from different parts of the field actually it's different than soccer mm. or even i think than american football there every place you could actually put the ball and then kick it so given the variables such as xyz and the pr player historical information and then the in-game situational features, we then developed a prediction model that was actually broadcasted live during the championship. Oh, wow. So that was That's like pretty awesome. cool. Yeah. So yeah. like uh, high-powered stats mm -hmm. in sports, right? Yeah. That's awesome. The, yeah. That was one which was good. With the NFL, we worked on a defender ghosting problem, which is, you know, using the, the location of the players and then understanding how to, like a coach, how does a mm. coach should strategize in guiding the team. Right. But it's like a data-driven approach to, you know, strategizing for, for a game. Um, yeah, what else? We did the sport radar, 
which was predicting soccer goals two seconds, you know, in advance, which was like a fascinating project. We worked on a bunch of other things. I can't recall right now. I yeah. worked on too many POCs. That right. So yeah. before we worked together, you already a tech lead in a lot of projects. Yeah. And the project we worked on together, this is the first time I work as a tech lead. And also this is the first computer vision project I mm. work on. So it's a, a learning experience for me, both on leadership and the technical part. So it was very stressful for me. And I have to say, I made some mistakes in the project. For example, I think I didn't know how to trust people I lead. I wanted to check everyone's work. And now I know you need to trust your team. And instead of manually checking everyone's work, be a micromanager, you can develop processes to do code review, model review. That's what we implemented later. And we also had a disagreement. Do you remember what I was? I don't remember what, what like, I, I know that we had a conflict, but where was it? I don't remember. Do you remember? Yeah, I think we talked a little bit about that yesterday. We might still disagree on this topic yeah. because you wanted to build a complete pipeline. Yeah. When yeah, we say yeah, yeah. pipeline, uh, do you want yeah. to tell the audience what is yeah, a pipeline? Yeah, so like a in data pipeline, you know, uh, I think a recommendation for anyone who wants to do a uh, proof of concept and wants to know whether whatever the approach that they think of that may apply to the problem in scope is going to work on or not, it would be just to build a, a pipeline, a data pipeline that basically takes an input data and then passes it through, you know, a chain of processes and then outputs the, the insights that you're looking for. It right. can be like a probability, mm. you know, of a prediction, it could be like a word, it could be like an image, whatever it is, yeah. right? So, you know, I, I remember that we had that. I wanted to go build the pipeline, make it efficient, <laughs> you know, multi-processing. Right, yeah. And my position was, we only have three months, let's move fast. Yeah. So, and also I remember we had a discussion. You're like, Daliana, we need to be perfectionist. And I was like, <laughs> I'm not a perfectionist. <laughs> we need to build this prototype, yeah. which I... Now I worked on more projects. I do see the value of high standard on the engineering side. You might disagree with me, but I still feel at that time, our goal was to build a POC. The objective is to <laughs> show our customer the possibility. So in terms of a timeline, what we were doing wasn't perfect, but I think it, it made a goal. But again, if we had more time or say if we have another engineer on the team, yeah. it's, it's definitely ideal to yeah. build a pipeline. So in general, I would say if you are working on a project that, for example, you have six months or, yeah. or longer, it's definitely worth it to build the infrastructure. Yeah. So I, I, I agree with you. I think at that time, it's more like we are building the plane while we're flying it. I was so anxious. What if this video recognition algorithm doesn't work? Mm. So my focus was more like, oh, let's just try a subset of the data. Let's fit in a lot of models quickly 
get out for. So that was my perspective. But I have to say, I like that we have this balance. So you help me hold myself to a higher engineering standard. And also, I think you propose us do more rigorous code review. Yeah, I mean, that was a very fun, you know, that conflict actually, Daliana, at the time, it gave me so much stress, you know, it was during yeah. the... We were not a, talking no, like no, for that. a few weeks. We were just like <laughs> madly messaging each other on Slack. I, okay, I mean, well, what's your side of the, of the story? What's your well, side of the it story? It was in the middle of the pandemic, you know, yeah. like everyone's like lonely at home. And then, right. uh, you know, the drama at workplace actually... Uh, adds to, to the quality of of course your mental health right. so i was just like thinking about it all the time i remember You're like dalian doesn't want me to build this pipeline <laughs> <laughs> exactly and i'm a civil engineer so you know yeah. like i just wanted to be in place so that i know what's going on even if it's broken i'm like okay now let's go fix this at least there's like you know something on the ground yeah I, I have to be honest i was also new it's not like at this point i probably just would let go and mm. then see how events unfold because yeah. of like so much uncertainty is out there right just the fact to whether you know we run this over 64 cpus <laughs> or one <laughs> cpu <laughs> wouldn't like make it does but you know maybe when you're right when we push to production and we want to optimize the, you know, p- p- basically price performance, right? Mm. So, because all of these has a trade-off, right? Yeah. So, uh, optimization of your data pipeline, of course, will help you with your cost down the mm. road and, you know, your latency down the road. Right. But then when you want to test out the idea, probably that's not important, right? So, you just want to know whether your model is performing well so that you go invest more resources on it. So, yeah, but maybe we want to talk about how did we get here from not talking to now, you know. But we were friends before that. Yeah, we were friends. Yeah, I remember when we both joined the team around the same time moving from different places to San Francisco, we had our one-on-one and it was Thanksgiving. We didn't have any family in the city. So we did our first one-on-one in this very nice bar oh with a view God, it was, was yeah, i remember that's our first yeah. one-on-one and you told me your story how you moved to the u.s from iran which well, we can talk more later about your entire life story yeah. so i remember that so we were friends and then we, we worked together and then i was this team lead so there's a little bit of a weird dynamic yeah. And I also remember you host this amazing house party. <laughs> You're DJing. And so at that time, I was worried, oh, what if we're not going to be friends anymore? I think after the project finished, uh, I think, first of all, it was successful. It uh, was amazing. Yeah. Wow. The turnout was fantastic. Even the customer went and put together a demo. A demo. Really nice demo. Yeah. And then it was in Espanol. The goal was in Espanol. And yeah. you know, Espanol, they go hard on the you yeah. know commentator. Mm-hmm. It was great when the model showed 100% goal. And mm-hmm. then the commentator was like, Colasso. It was so <laughs> nice. I <Yeah>. loved it. <laughs> uh, so we really earned trust from the customer. We had weekly sync up with them. 
And there's just so many lessons, not just on the technical side, but also how to work with external customers and earn trust. Mm -hmm. And during the project, sometimes our initial idea didn't work. We have mm. to pivot it. It's like we have gone through so much mm. in the three months. And after that, I think maybe it was you reach out to me. You're like, hey, Daliana, do you want to catch up? Was it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. I think, you know, here's the thing. I, because that was a situation, Daliana, for me that I really wanted to handle. I am not very good with conflicts. Like I am oh, a people okay. pleaser. <laughs> I want to make everyone happy. If someone's not happy with me, it makes me uncomfortable. Like, oh, yeah. Why? Can I do something? So I reach out to you, and then I think I suggested, or really either you, but it was like a kind of like a collective or mutual agreement yeah. that hey, let's put some monthly mm. meeting on the calendar. Yeah. We just check in. Hey, how yeah. are you? Yeah, we you didn't know? really talk about work. We talk yeah. about other things. I remember we talk about. Meditation. You recommended this documentary yeah. the, for this yogi. Yeah, and yeah. I, I did buy the book. <laughs> you did? Okay. Yeah. So I think when you talk about those things beyond work that kind of mended our friendship. Yeah. yeah. And then I love the team. Later, I loved Amazon. And then you moved to New York, but we stayed we in, in touch. touch. Yeah. yeah, we stayed in touch. Well, we still have our monthly or yeah. chat. Yeah, yeah, I remember, you know, we, we even have different time zones. It's great to learn that you have become a manager and you're doing generative AI. So, yeah, I'm very grateful we resolved our conflict. Same, Diana. Yeah, same, same. I think I'm going to tell this story to like my reports and you know, <laughs> my future friends and whatever. Like the fact the, that we could overcome the conflict and make yeah. it like right like, mm. to this friendship, to this level. It's just it's liberating mm -hmm. right now. Like what happened, you know, when you see the dark side of the moon, yeah. then things become so easy for you. you know? <laughs> <laughs> Was it that bad? <laughs> no, I mean, like when you see that, oh, there is a conflict and it's the pandemic and stress and then you mm -hmm. overcome it. I feel like now when there's a conflict at work, I, I know that it's not the end of the world, right? No. So you could fix it, there are ways you could approach it differently, you know, lead with, they call it lead with empathy, etc. So that yeah. goes, yeah. Yeah, I think sometimes it just take the initiative to reach out and reconnect with people yeah. goes a long way. Now, also from your perspective, maybe you're so stressed, you're uh, afraid of conflict, but on my side, I was also very stressed yeah, okay. because I was worried, oh, is Maddie going to be angry? I remember, oh, so at that time I was working on a promotion and yeah. this is the project that's very important <laughs> for my promotion. I remember my manager was asking me, because we need to get our coworkers uh, feedback, feedback yeah. for the promotion. You don't need to get feedback from everyone, but you need to have a few people supports and write a document. I think I remember my manager's like, oh, maybe don't ask Maddie because <laughs> he might not be supportive. <laughs> I don't remember whether I asked you or not, no, but I think eventually- You have no idea how many people I have like, supported <laughs> after that. So yeah, I would, yeah. I would definitely be. Uh, supportive of you. Yeah, yeah. but I, I think I definitely asked you for my um, annual review because I was thinking, even if you give me negative review, I would be curious to get your perspective. Mm. Yeah, so I think I, I did ask you for a review. I don't know whether... What, what did what I wrote? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. 
Okay, I, I probably should didn't write something bad. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> no, I I don't think you did. Uh, because but, you know now. Yeah. <laughs> no, I Wait, I, I now I think I did remember. I think maybe you did write something about the pipeline <laughs> or the engineer skills. Oh my god! But you know, I I, okay. I know your intention is good. I know you're a good person. I think we have a different work style, different communication style. Yeah. Yeah, which is now when I look back, you can only laugh at those things. That's the <laughs> exactly. stories that make her career or life interesting. Exactly. Yeah. And going back to the technical side, so yeah. what was your technical stack? Because. At that time, every time we work on a new project, we have to learn new things. And there are a lot of AWS services, there are papers. So what kind of tools you use and how did you learn those new models, new solutions? Mm -hmm. Yeah, just like you mentioned, we historically, we worked at the machine learning, Amazon Machine Learning Solutions Lab, where our job uh, was to accelerate, help the customer accelerate the adoption of AIML in their workloads, find the right use cases to work on yeah. and such, you know, across the board, across so many different use cases. If I want to be honest, I feel like, you know, you always want to have a personal brand. Wherever mm. you are, you want to have a personal brand, right? So, for example, I remember that, Daliana, you were leading the retail vertical or you were... You had some experience with the retail side. Yeah. So that was your personal brand, right? Mm. So, for example, if there was a question about retail, everyone would be like, go talk to Daliana, right? right? Uh, so for me, maybe my personal brand was, you know, passionate about sustainability, energy, yeah. and then, you know, computer vision. I worked on some NLP. But then how do we keep up? it becomes, again, going back to your personal brand, right? So mm. there is so much to learn, right? But every day there is a new innovation. Yeah. You can't just go and learn everything. I think mm. you have to figure out what is it that you want your brand to be and mm. then go work on that so that in situations when you're chosen to provide value, you actually have something to offer to the table, right? Uh, so, for example, I mean, talking about generative AI, maybe, you know, I feel like most of us did some form of a generative AI work in the past. Like I personally published even a paper on QA, open book QA, open book question answering. We used even, you know, some sort of form of a GPT model at the time. But then with the kind of like the wave, the new wave of generative AI, every day there is a new approach every day there is a new model right so one suggestion that i would have is to if someone is just opening their eyes to gen ai for example they can start taking again one of the actually andrew ang again deep learning AI has a really really good course i don't know have you taken that one no but yeah i you know, know yeah there are a lot of free resources free resources there, yeah. so you go take it like an overview course mm -hmm. and then you read overview like a review paper i for example there's this really great review paper on llms you could read that and then when you read and then when you get a like a high level view you know what, what it is? Like, you know, recently I've been traveling, you know, actually often. And then every city I go, I hit the tourist bus. 
And then I sit on the floor, on the roof, and then I see everything. And then when I see everything, the next day I come, I'm like, okay, these areas, I want to go double down. I want to buy the tickets to go explore. That's exactly, you know, how I would approach it. I would just read the review paper and then I know, oh, this area is an area of interest to me. Maybe I just need to go and find out more information about that area because it's impossible, especially for someone who is getting into a new field. It would be impossible. And imposter syndrome will kill you there. You know, just feeling that, oh, I don't know everything. That's fine. As long as you have some things very good, uh, that's your brand. And, you know, you will find a way to provide value. So imagine there is like someone who had a background in finance. They were like a banker. They were like, you know, worked at a private equity and then decide now, okay, I'm going to go and become an expert in Gen AI, mm. right? They go learn, they go understand, they go find how to build an LLM system and product. But then the, the knowledge in finance and the background is in finance is going to have a compounding effect on their career, in my right. opinion, right? So for example, new opportunity of Gen AI application comes in uh, financial services, you know, I, I'm, I will go to you and I would be asked, hey, how, what's the landscape here? Yeah. Can you explain to me? Yeah. You know, and that's what I mean by personal brand, right? right. So, Gotcha. So basically, even if you transition your career, you can leverage your of previous course, industry oh expertise yes. yeah, and build yeah. on top of that. Yes. yes. So many skills are transferable yeah. in life. It's incredible. Like right. I, to this date, Daliana, I use my skill set that I earned at the construction site. Oh, wow. For example, what skill set? Like dealing with uncertainty. Okay. How do you deal with uncertainty? Everything may break down mm. at any moment at a construction site. Right. You have, you know, your contractors, you have the engineer, mm. you have the client, and then you have the weather, yeah. and then you have, you know, the equipment. Everything may break. And then how do you actually navigate through this storm of uncertainty and manage and prioritize tasks, right? right. So that skill set, I still use it when I work with our customers in Gen AI because it's the same. It's the same. I mean, right. it's not the same. It's different. It's a different environment. But from the point of view of project management, like the skill set you earn in project management, a skill set you earn in communication, mm. people communication is super important you know yeah of course you may have a paper in nature and good for you but as long <laughs> as you can't communicate and win another person's heart yeah you're not gonna go anywhere i mean you're gonna go anywhere do somewhere but you know it's gonna be capped yeah so for example dealing with uncertainty yeah what's your framework in dealing with uncertainty that's a very good question. I think for, you know, like a suggestion or how do I go about it is, I think prioritization is super important, right? So you want to... So you are uncertain about things. You're dealing with ambiguity. You don't have anything to prioritize. How, how do you approach this? I mean, you do like, maybe you assess the risks okay of each of so how, say that you want to run a project, you form a backlog, there's mm -hmm. like 
20 items to, gotcha. to do, right? Mm. So you assess the risks. Um, uh, of course, if you can categorize them, that would be great. So mm. if you can put them into some order, these chunks into the order, that would be great. Yeah. If you can find milestones along that so that you hit that milestone, whatever that milestone is, that's great. So mm. after it's, you know, it's there is like a map in front of you, then I think you go analyze and assess the risks of each of those items that are in each bucket mm. and then prioritize from that point of view, right? So yeah. if, what's, if say, if you didn't, if you don't implement the unit test, I'm just, you know, bringing that out, you know, thinking out loud. If you don't implement the unit test, probably the risks are high because, you know, during production, but then during model development, probably not that much, right? Right. Versus data cleaning mm. and, you know, having the right labels is much more important during the model development. You know? Yeah. So how, how do you go and prioritize? I think that's from understanding what's the risks. Yeah. If you miss on, on, on something. Yeah. And you also talk about it's very important to communicate well. Yeah. And especially when we work on projects, whether it's in Machine Learning Solutions Lab or now you're in a Gen AI Innovation Center, yeah. you work a lot with customers. customers so yeah. what's your best advice working with the customers and earn their trust, build a relationship? Hmm. Okay, where do I start? Okay, so I want to give you a little bit of introduction and then get into that. Sure. So I think, you know, from where I see the Gen AI and like the other technological advancements is going and all the conversation about the future of humanity and such, in my opinion, human to human connection is going to be much more valuable in coming years than it used to be before. Of course, it's, you know, like we'll live for human connection. And and I think authenticity is super important. Like mm. being your authentic self. What does it mean being your authentic self? I wish I knew because <laughs> I think I, I I am being my authentic self when yeah. I am in front of the customers mm. or like in, you know with colleagues. Don't play games. Just relax. Don't stress. Be yourself. Use your instruments well. What are your instruments, for example, in an in-person meeting? Your body, mm. your voice, yeah. your you eye, know, contact. eye contact, your hands, mm. right? Like use your instruments well, mm. lean into people, ask them and listen. Listening is super important, right? So when you listen, actually bring in your full intention to listen yeah don't just ask a question as if you're just asking a question you know be, be intentional about it people love to get compliments mm. you know i love to give compliments give compliments to people right. because i mean i love to receive compliments yeah. so i can tell others so yeah. if someone does a good job and you see something interesting mm. you it's a point out it's going to break the ice. What else? Respect, of course, like, you know, how, always have to keep the respect. But also, like, earning trust with whoever that you're working on as early as possible. Yeah. 
it's the, probably the most important thing mm. that I could, like, in my opinion, that could make that relationship last longer and have higher ROI. Right. How, how do we earn trust? For example, you work with this new customer. They don't know you. They are suspicious about the capacity. You of work hard. You wake up at 5 a.m. and you work hard. Yeah. And then you deliver results yeah. and value. Yeah. You know, that's I don't know how you earn it. You just have to work hard. You have to find all the corners that you can bring value and then just deliver on those corners until the moment that you see that customer is like, oh, this is actually better than what we did. Yeah, yeah. You know? Yeah, I love that. So basically, it's important to have those interpersonal skills, those people skills. But at the end of the day, the trust is built on top of your results. Yeah. So in the beginning, of course, you're not going to finish three months project in three days. But it's important to show mo momentum, to identify some low-hanging fruits or, mm -hmm. hey, I built some data pipeline. I did some exploratory analysis. Yeah. Don't wait till the end of the project to give a presentation. You can, yeah. like what we did, we schedule a weekly check-in check with in. the customer. That's super important. Yeah. That like hammer every yeah. week. Yeah, that's Deliver, how we earn trust. Earn trust, yeah. And also, we didn't hide some failures we had i remember there's a model that didn't work well but we communicated to our customer of right? course like as i said like being authentic yeah. it doesn't mean that be authentic of course it, uh, be authentic on the self but also like in approach in how you actually deal with the problem right be authentic if something doesn't work well just be transparent yeah. with them you know this probably doesn't work well however we have all these great suggestions that you could do that you know improves it give me your basically priorities give me your timeline i'll right. come up with a plan yeah how i think we should approach yeah great so maddie i remember during our first one-on-one -on -one, you told me this very exciting story about how you got into college can you tell us this story again yeah yeah i mean so in iran we have a nationwide exam that is four hours multiple choice exam. It happens at one time. And actually, if you're a guy in my country, because there is the military service followed when you're when you reach an 18 year old, you have to go to the do the military service. So if you miss that exam and you don't get into a college, you actually go into a military service. Mm. Maybe you are given a chance to do it again. I'm not sure at this point. But at that time, I only had one chance to take this exam. I remember for like one year of my life, I would only study nothing else. I would just study a lot of memorization. It was like math, physics, chemistry, tough questions. Yeah. So, and then when you look at the distribution of population in Iran, my age is at the mode, right? Yeah. So the highest number of the people, like the age group is around my age, which is born in 85, around 85, mm. 1985. So at that year, we had 2 million participants. Wow. And then I remember that was the moment for the first time in my life because I was born and raised in a small town yeah. uh, in my country. Yeah. That was the first time in my life that I was like, 
hold on. Am I actually a little bit smart? Maybe like, yeah. I don't know, because I was ranked 900 yeah. out of 2 million. Wow. Yeah, it was. I remember I came, I was, I was in my room and I came and then my dad was sitting, having the breakfast to go to the work. And then he's like, dude, what happened? And then I was like, yeah, I got into University of Tehran. And he's like, how? How did that happen? When did you study? Is it even possible? <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. And then I moved to Tehran and, you know, went to University of Tehran mm. in the dormitory. Anyway, like, you know. Oh, that's a great story. That's the yeah. first experience when you had confidence yeah yeah but then another story i want to mm -hmm. share with you when sure. i was i moved from okay so i was a postdoc and the lead of the research lab at the university of central florida right. when i uh, and then I, I thought okay i'm the smartest kid in the room you know like i lead the lab yeah. i already have the phd mm -hmm. come on you know and then i got into mit so the, there are moments in your life that I think you realize that you're smart, but there are also moments in your life that you realize, oh my God, I don't know, I don't, I don't know anything. Yeah. And that happened to me when I was a lead scientist at a lab, at a research lab at the University of Central Florida. And then I finished my PhD. I was a postdoc there, a professor at the school. You know, I thought that I'm really smart. You know, mm -hmm. I did it. Yeah. And then I remember something really interesting happened mm. about how I ended up to my next basically career move. So when I was the lead, we had everyone in the lab, I think about five to six PhD students to submit an abstract to a conference, International Symposium of Sustainable Systems and Engineering, something like that. Okay which was in Phoenix, Arizona. So I had everyone submit. I also submitted. And then my advisor last minute, he was like, dude, we have no money. Mm. We can't support the trip for you guys. So I remember I called a friend who actually lives in New York and we're going to her place after this, oh, okay. by the way. Yeah. yeah. So, okay, you'll, you'll get to meet her. Uh, I called her and she's like, why don't you just pay out of your pocket and go and present? So that was... Uh, one of the uh, highest ROI advices I've gotten in yeah, my life. Yeah. So I did pay and I went. And then I remember at the, every page of the agenda for the conference, mm. my name was there. So I would just like run from one meeting to the other meeting to deliver the talk. And then it's the last day and, you know, I'm tired. And of course, I like to party. So I go drink, drink, drink. Yeah. And then... Uh, <laughs> I was in the bathroom and then I remember that I, I made a joke to, to this guy while in the bathroom and then I come out and then I see them wearing the badge of the conference and it's written MIT research scientist and mm -hmm. I'm like oh my god did I just embarrass myself <laughs> so I go and I start talking to him uh, and then uh, turns out that they are hiring for a postdoc oh, at the wow. sustainability hub at MIT. And I still get goosebumps when I think about yeah. it, Daliana. Like that was like a moment that, yeah, I did do the interview with them. It's amazing humans, amazing. And then they gave me the position. And then I, I went to MIT. And then that's the moment, you know, going back to what I was going to tell you, mm. that's the moment that immediately I found myself as the dumbest kid in the room. Like yeah. I didn't know anything. Mm. I just thought, how did that happen? 
And, you know, one thing I want to share maybe with the audience is about Lodge. Yeah, uh, moral of the story, make friends in the bathroom. <laughs> <laughs> Especially if you're in a conference, you know. Yeah. Or a moral of the story yeah. is if you're at a conference... Don't embarrass yourself, with, you know, or maybe you do. Or you embarrass yourself more. I, I, I don't think it's embarrass yourself. I think you have to overcome the fear of embarrass yourself to make connections. Connections, yeah. Like when, you know, we were walking around yesterday, you talked to strangers. I really admire that part of you. You're always open to new opportunities. And I know you meet a lot of mentors and friends this way i think this is your superpower yeah thank yeah. you yeah yeah i love to connect with people that's basically like that's what i live yeah. live for but then on lock factor i was thinking because yesterday we were talking mm-hmm. about lock and then right. you said you know you asked mehdi hey how did you like catch these opportunities yeah. right i was thinking that there are in my opinion four types of lock mm. right okay i thought about it from maybe even you know it, I think it makes sense from the data science slash AI point of view as mm, well. Yeah. First, I would call it blind luck mm-hmm. or like random luck. Like you're sitting here and then something just drops on your lap. Yeah. You don't do anything and you get lucky. You buy a lottery ticket, you hit. And that's like blind luck. That's great. The second one is maybe like motion luck, mm. right? So when you're in motion and you move from one spot to the other spot, imagine there is like this lock machine, just like, you know, like a casino, you know, machine. And as long as you are in different places, you're moving kind of like the entropy of this system of lock will hit you. Right. So that's the second type. The third type of lock is uh, like happens when you are more aware of your environment, Mm. right? So basically, you expand the your views to receive information from the source, Mm. right? So when you are more aware of what's happening around you, or generally, if you're more knowledgeable and you're aware, I think you are more likely to get lucky. And the th- and the last one, which in my opinion, sometimes I feel like works for me. And I'm sorry, it may just be like a little bit conceited to say, but it's like uniqueness luck. Yeah. Right. So when you have like some features that are very unique to you, like you're a unique color on the palette, mm. for example. Right. You're easily distinguishable. Like they like if someone if there is like luck out there, I think luck will find you because you're right. easily, you know, you can be easily identified. Yeah, You stand out. You stand out. Exactly. Yeah. You stand out. So I don't believe in luck. Like uh, I, uh, by blind luck, I don't think it, like I've never had a blind luck in my life. Mm. I don't think I have. Maybe right. I had, I don't know. Mm. Right. So like, I never won a lottery. I never just got to somewhere without actually putting the work. Yeah. No. Yeah, I think the more work you're putting, of course, in the right direction, the more luck you attract. You like, yeah. I think everyone's success, we, we there, there are some lucky factor in in us, right? How we got our job, how we meet our mentor. Absolutely. But you have to have the foundation of knowledge. You have to work for it. Yeah, yeah I think no. I, I take my word back. I think that I have a blind luck in my life, and that's my genes. Mm. Right. So that's I, I, 
Yeah, that's the blind bag. <laughs> I didn't work for it. He just yeah. came with it. Okay. Yeah. But you know how genes express itself? Every, you can have the same gene with another person, but I think your environment affects how the gene expresses it itself. So if you take yeah. care of your body, your mind, maybe, you know, the disease, the potential disease, I'm not a biologist, don't quote me for it, doesn't express itself. So again, I think your behavior, your intention might affect your, the ex, not your genes, but the expression of your genes. I, I, I'm with you. Yeah. I'm with you. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know where we're talking about yeah. now. Okay, generative AI. Yeah. Applied science manager of generative AI innovation lab. What is generate? What is generative AI, and uh, what what do you do at Amazon? I see. Okay, I love this question. So let's talk about generative AI systems. They are typically uh, built uh, using and on top of what we call foundation models. Mm. Foundation models are these large models that are trained on vast amount and corpora of data. And they can adapt pretty well to downstream tasks, right? AWS as a whole does a lot in Gen AI space. Of course, we have the Amazon Bedrock, and then we have the Code Whisperer, and you know, Alexa's been running on you know generative AI models. You know, on the dot com side, we had we have applications. So even across the other board, I'm pretty sure we've been using you know some form of a generative model in the past, right? So. There's a lot happening across uh, the company, but Amazon Generative AI Innovation Center, we are a group of applied scientists, engineers, strategists, ML strategists, machine learning uh, strategists, that basically we pair you, we pair the, you know, the organization and the company with, with our team of experts, and then we help you identify the top use cases, we help you find, you know, we provide workshops and, you know, hands-on help to actually get you onboarded in your Gen AI journey. Also, we provide advisory help to technical advisory help to actually work with you to identify areas that it makes sense for your business to take advantage of these menu gotcha. of gen ai application just like you mentioned yeah and then there are common use cases in generative ai such as you know the most common probably you know most commons are text summarization mm. you know insight extraction yeah. question answering or qa chatbots mm. right but also the newer ones which are more into the multimodal space uh, image generation video generation music generation just content in general if you want my opinion, there are four major areas that in the short term, Gen AI will have a significant impact on yeah. the business. Mm. First one is that it will unlock slash create new experiences for the customers, mm. right? So you could now have a hyper personalized way of interacting with your customer yeah right using these uh, llms and gen ai mm. app, uh, systems the second one is increases productivity right like 
let alone the basically the generative code, like the co- the co- code generation using the you know generative AI models. That alone, I think, will increase the productivity of developers substantially. On the other hand, right now we could have agents that could act on our behalf, run SQL queries and say, you know, a developer who used to spend so much time writing this query can just like type the national language form and get get a get a query run on their behalf. Yeah. And then get the insight. And what does it mean? It means the top developers, they can now have a free of mind. Right. They can think about it strategically and say someone who didn't know anything about an SQL code. Now they can get their answers from the data, right? Yeah. So that's the second. The third one is insight ex- extraction from the vast major, vast amount of data that every corporation in the world has, right? You could now just deploy easily a retrieval augmented generation rag yeah. system on your you know existing knowledge base and then get like question answers and the last one is help with the creativity side mm. right so image generation video generation music generation you could create content for your audience I think there's a lot of potential yeah yeah, yeah. that's very exciting and moving from working on machine learning, deep learning project to generative AI, do you miss the old machine learning workflow? Yeah, so here's the thing. Like, I think there is like a, a little bit of the miscommunication. Mm. Uh, and that happens typically when there is like a hype, right? So yeah. when there is like a hype, you know, everyone now thinks Gen AI is completely different than a traditional machine learning Mm. on the other hand actually we take advantage of so many of the ml just frameworks of how to actually look and structure a machine learning model and you know and on on the other hand uh, we have all these ai services that you can just like a puzzle piece Mm. you can connect them together and there may be you know an llm acting in various parts of this maybe the llm is just a conversational agent for you or no maybe llm does the feature engineering for you maybe llm is actually the one who does the evaluation for you you could take advantage of generative ai uh, systems to help you get there but at the end of the day you may need a computer vision application you may need uh, actually to run some you know sql queries and get some prediction uh, out of your model soon, right? So I don't think it's that different, though. One thing I want to point out is that in the past, we had the thinkers and then we had uh, the builders. And yeah. Then, you know, the thinkers were like applied scientists mm. and then like... Research scientists. Research scientists. And then we had the builders were like machine learning engineers, yeah. solution archi- yeah. architects, right? What has happened from what I see from the Gen AI, how it happens is that now this skill set is kind of like merging, right? right? So as thinkers, we also are building. We we built, uh, you know, a pipeline. I love it. So and <laughs> uh, on the other hand, the SF, like the builders now are thinking about how to optimize. They're right. getting workflow. to know workflow. Yeah, yeah. So. That's interesting. Yeah, That's a very interesting yeah, thread, trend yeah. I see. Yeah. And uh, there are so many new development in generative AI. Previously, 
We talk about how to learn new things. So besides working with a customer, you have to learn. And sometimes you got a request. It might be stressful and you're a manager. You need to keep in touch with the direct reports. So now you work with customers. You also manage a team. And there's a lot of news and new technology from the Gen AI side. So what is your day-to-day -day like? How do you manage work and personal life? I'm not a complete person, so I don't stick with this routine okay. at all times. You're not a machine. I'm not a machine. I'm not a machine. I wish I was. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I wish that I was a machine with a human soul. Yeah. I think that would be good. Okay. So that yeah, but I yeah I wake up. I, I try to wake up early. It makes me stressed if I wake up late. Mm. I just don't like it. I try to hit the gym immediately. Do like a hit workout. I alternate between the hit and yoga recently. Mm. Oh my god! Like it's been like few months. I've been doing yoga. Please do it. I started late in my life. I'm one of those dudes who go to the gym and I have like zero. Go to the yoga class and have zero flexibility, but still I go and do it. And yeah. in fact, that's the point. It's okay if you guys don't have flexibility. Let's go to it. <laughs> Let's make it. And then I come, I come back home. I make a shake, and then I love to journal. Like you know, I have to put my thoughts down. Mm. Otherwise, like if I don't put my thoughts down and go to work, I probably bring some of those thoughts yeah, to the work. Yeah, <laughs> not healthy. I remember you shared a book with me. It's called The Artist's Way. The Artist's Way. Yeah. yeah. The so morning I still, journal. Exactly. Yeah. I still put down my morning pages. Yeah, okay. Yeah. But not every day. Mm. I used to do it every day. Uh, nowadays, it's just when I have actually the time because there's a lot happening, yeah. of course. And then I like to meditate. Mm. You know, um, I, I'm obsessed recently with incense. The ones when you like light them out and there's like an interesting smell and scent. I have them a lot right now. So I just hit one up and I sit down, do the meditation. I think if I don't do those, those things, Daliana, and I have reviewed and looked back yeah. from the end of the day work. I am a completely different person. You know, mm. like if I do it, I am coming to work as if like I have put everything, you know, parked and then I'm fresh versus yeah. if I don't do it, I just feel like yeah, I just arrived. You know what I yeah, mean? Like, yeah, you I have all the anxieties. Yeah, it's yeah. just like everything mm. in me. And yeah, yeah. So I know that uh, we hear these on social media. Every other person probably has the same morning routine. And probably that's why I adopted yeah. the same morning routine. But it works. Yeah. And how do you find time to learn new things? Yes, that's a good question. I do like to have at least a review of the news in the tech world mm. in the morning, yeah. especially in the Gen AI world. Yeah. You want to be on top of right. things, right? So yeah. a lot of times new models, new approaches, new technology, new investments, yeah. you know, it comes up. So you want to be on top of things. Right. So I, I, in the morning, I, I have signed up for a few of these newsletters. Mm, for example? That's a good one. I have to come back to okay. you. Yeah, yeah. Uh, okay. Like Never mind. One? They just yeah. come to my email. Yeah. I so basically you yeah. read those newsletters. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Those are very good. Yeah, like yeah. honestly, thank you, folks, for whoever that puts them together. Yeah. You make our lives so easy. You know, thank you. 
So yeah, uh, I read them and of course, well, let's be honest. Not all of them are perfect. Sometimes no. you see something and you're like, oh, you know, I don't yeah. know. So you have to double click, see, right. read about it to make mm. sure that it's actually the right piece of information. And then technical reading. I love it when I'm on commute and then I put my headphones mm. with a binarial beat. Is that the right way to say it? I don't it? know. Binarial. It's like that low frequency wave. That helps you focus. It helps you focus. I put it on and then I read a technical paper on the subway. That's like, I love it. You have no idea. I just feel like I go into a zone and then I, I love it. So commute time, I use it to, to read technical. Oh, things. interesting. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. What other type of books do you read? Do you read about business or psychology? Yeah, I go, I go through phases. Uh, it depends. Like recently, I've been reading this book, The Creative Way, uh, a way of, uh, or The Creative Act, sorry. Mm. A creative, the Creative Act, A Way of Being. It's a fascinating book. Like, you know, it's about, yeah, creativity and art, but I think it applies to life. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, I know uh, you also play poker. Oh, yeah, yeah. I read yeah. a lot of poker books. Yeah, yeah. I, read, I read a lot of poker books. So yeah. what lessons you learned from poker that you applied to your career and life? That's a very good question. Okay, so if you just want to say maybe like one lesson from poker is that even if you wake up with pocket aces mm. and you're in position, you're on the button and you are pocket aces, the player on the a small blind has seven deuce of suit. They still may hit, hit their card, mm. you know, like, yes, 80, I think 2% chance or more you're going to win. But there is a still a chance you're going to lose. And that's okay. That's yeah. the part of the game, right? And, and for me, you know, the lesson I learned from poker is that you just have to play every hand. Wake up, get your hand, pick up with the hand, play. It may work that day. It doesn't may, you know, it may never work that day. It may work the other day. Actually, sometimes uh, in poker, you know, you may just want to fold quickly so mm. that you retain the loss. Right, learn how to quit. How Learn how to quit. Yeah. Like fold and accept that, hey, this hand right. didn't work for me. Right. Right? This career move wasn't right for me. Right. This project failed, but that's fine. It wasn't right for yeah. me. You know, that's totally fine. Yeah, even if quitting, but if it's a good decision, it's the right move towards your your next level of your career. Yeah, yes. yeah, absolutely. I, I think, you know, like all of them are an opportunity to grow. Yeah. In my opinion, yeah. right? But you have to keep doing it. Keep doing yeah. it. That's it. Like hit the ground, get up. I think mm. that's the key to success. Yeah, yeah. Just I like that. To get up. <laughs> hit the ground, get up. Like the yeah. get up. As long as you get up, mm. that's fine. Next hand. Get up, next hand. One of these hands, you know, like yeah. the lock factor machine is going to, hit you and you're mm. going to get somewhere again it's the same scenario even if say okay so you have right now imagine someone wants to come into the you know out of the complete ai world wants to come to the ai world they try different things they come in they get the job it's still the same game mm. still you have to wake up you have to provide value right. you yeah. just you have to do it every day so yeah. the principle here in my opinion that i got from uh, poker again as a summary is that 
always there is an uncertainty in the game right even if you have the best hand mm. you may still lose and even if you have the worst hand you may still hit your card right so also don't give up too early too early if yeah. you're dealt with a, a bad hand yeah please don't quit Please don't quit too quickly. You know, that yeah. applies to relationships too. I don't want to talk about relationship <laughs> also. A honeymoon phase lasts from six months yeah. to two years. Mm. Please don't quit, folks. Let's work together. Yeah. <laughs> so we also talk about it's important to know when to quit. So how do you know whether you should quit or not quit? So for example, for you, how do you know you need to quit your previous research career? That's a very good question. My answer to that is intuition mm. is estimated. Mm. Human intuition. Yeah. I feel like intuition is, it's like the source is communicating through us and wants yeah. to tell us something, you know, but it's in own ways, right? The universe mm. is talking to us. It's its own ways. Mm. So I wouldn't like intuition. And you know, here's the thing, whatever decision you make it right, mm. right? So, you know, maybe intuitively you're not comfortable, you're not providing value and providing impact as, as much as you want in your job. That's totally fine. And then you may just one day wake up and be like, you know what? Uh, this doesn't make me happy. Mm. And uh, intuitively, I just want to, you know, make a turn, just do a quick exit. Um, that's fine. Yeah. But then you have to know that you're in charge. So yeah. you have to make it right. Mm. You know, yeah. I don't think that there is any good moment to quit. I think no matter what, when you take decision you have to make it right yeah cool and we previously talked about how you learn new things how you carve out time to read and the uh, another way to learn is by doing oh yeah yes, yes. and i know when you told me about the side project you worked on while you were learning gen ai can you tell us about it so when the new wave of Gen AI was coming, of course, like I said, I knew NLP. I knew I worked in AI ML for, you know, seven, eight years. So I knew how to go about it. Mm. But then for me, one, maybe the more effective way of doing thing or learning is actually getting to the mud. I loved getting into the mud. Right. right? Just, so what did you well, what did you do yeah. okay so i thought about it i was talking okay so i am frustrated by setting a date in new york city it's really hard find yeah. someone's you know availability find your availability find a place that someone likes you like you know every it's like there's long list of long lines so i was like okay how about we use llm to build an application that suggests basically dates in new york city mm. so i did and i used you know it's an easy actually approach you rec you you just use your computer microphone and then record your voice and then you use a, a speech to text model there are so many out there you could just like google and probably like find and then you then have the text and then you add a context to the text and then you feed it into an llm you give the llm a role you can be like act as a date planner in new york city yeah. 
And then when you take that out, I did something interesting. When the output text from the uh, LLM is out, I used the sound synthesis model. And then I had the application to speak on with the voice of Margot Robbie. Yeah, that's funny. The voice of Barbie. So can yeah. you tell us on the hello, what exactly is the application? What does it do? Uh, What's the input? What's the output? Input is basically you just like it's a conversational, you know, date planner. You speak to it. It speaks to you with, you know, Margot Robbie's Margo voice help you voice. plan a date. Yeah, Margot Robbie has to plan right. a date. Yeah. So what was the process? Like, How did you figure out all the components and what kind of tools or framework you use in this app? I think right now with Langchain, mm. which is like an abstract orchestration yeah. tool, you could just chain these uh, easily. You could just use, you know, there is like bedrock agents from Amazon yeah, also. Right. You could use them. Mm. As long as you have what processes happen. So in this step, you can break them down in a chain, right? So we have the speech to text and then we have text prompt. Mm. Right. Yeah. You with the context probably by prompt. I mean, like a prompt and a context. Mm. You feed it into the LLM. Yeah. You get an output. This output LLM right now. Actually, I didn't use a rag system, but someone actually can go ahead and add maybe like talk to some of these businesses and then have their schedule so that there is like a database availability, or maybe they can connect it to Resi or all these other uh, you know reservation applications and then check the availability there. And then you receive and then you outline top five, for example, date mm. ideas. And then you feed that into a speech synthesis application, such as like Eleven Labs. I mean, they're right. pretty good, right? Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And what are some lessons you learned from this process of building your first Genia application? Well, the biggest lesson I learned is that, wow, it's so easy. Mm. It's just so easy to do that. Especially right now with like Code Whisper, for example, you could you don't have to actually just write all lines of code. You can describe it; it will write yeah. it for you, right? So, of course, maybe there is like a need for debugging. That's fine. I mean, that's what happens mm. when you build applications. There is always little tweaks. Yeah. Yeah, that was the first learning. The other learning I had from that was the fact that I think the process of Putting these two pieces together, it's almost like a work of art. Because mm. there are various ways you could do this. Yeah. Right? So you, there are various ways you could actually mm. just, you know, click these pieces together to do the job for you. Yeah. But then how do you do it, which comes at the lowest cost? Right. And then like latency is acceptable, mm. right? Yeah. It doesn't hallucinate. Yeah, it's interesting you mentioned building this application is like working on a piece of art. And I know you're an artist at heart. During the pandemic, you did a program at a film school. Yeah. Uh, can you tell us a little bit about that yeah. and also your other hobbies outside yeah, of yeah. work? Yeah, yeah. So, so pandemic was a, a transformational phase for me. I mean... I started taking a course uh, at music school, actually, point blank in London. And that's the good thing about, you know, not good, but that's like a silver lining of pandemic, which then enabled this just remote access to things, you know. 
So I took the course and then I went deep into music production. I even built a SoundCloud profile and I realized, oh my God, I have no talent in music generation. The generation. I'm good with the engineering side. Mm -hmm. I can mix, I can master, but I cannot actually sit down and write a melody. And that's a lesson I'm going to share with the audience also that not until you try, you really don't know. Like you have to go try and then you... And the process of trying and a lot of skills are transferable. Mm. By trying, you earn skills that they can transfer to other things. Okay, at that point, I was like, okay, sound or music is not my thing. I used to do photography back home. Mm. I, I, I have a passion for photography. Yeah. So then I bought a camera and then I took a course then or a program at NYU Tisch, which is like right here on tv film industry essentials Mm. fascinating course it was five modules explained end to end about film so i'm i was passionate about it i made two shorts like a like a course project which i never published because they're terrible but then again like just going through the practice of you know cinematography writing the script going and finding someone to actually act for you then take the shot bring it post prod credit sound you know score all of that you will learn so much mm. just by going through that and then i was lucky enough to meet Shahzad Dodgar who's the director of the upcoming uh, feature film Eternity Road and I was very lucky to meet her and she trusted me to be on board as an executive producer. So I did that. It was like a fascinating experience. I'm very excited for the film to come out at the end of this year. I think it's going to be super, super cool. The topic is really interesting. I think just keep an eye out, guys. Eternity Road. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. And, you know, your life there's a lot of things you work on, you're busy. How do you find time to work on this project to, to learn? Like, was it hard to say, okay, I'm gonna turn off my work laptop and just work on my hobby? I think at the end of the day in life, you want to have some outlet which gives you a sense of fulfillment, mm. you know? Yeah. Like if someone really feels fulfilled by work, I don't think there is anything wrong with it, mm. right? So it's not like, actually, I don't believe in balance Okay. Much. Yeah. You know, I think yeah. like balance is limiting in my opinion, mm. right? Like the balance that they teach you yeah. at the social media posts. Right. and like You have to measure the exact scale to balance. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It doesn't work that way. It doesn't work life. that way. It doesn't work that way, you know? Balance, you create the balance yourself. Maybe balance for you is to live on the edge. I think balance for me is to live on the edge. Love it. You know? Yeah. So, but for me, balance for me came when I, my mind like is cooked after 10 hours of work. Mm. So what do I do? I go and turn into my, you know, mixer, I go turn into my, you know, footage. Mm. And then that will make me feel fulfilled by living this life. Gotcha. So some people like to 
maybe go for a walk or yeah. watch Netflix or play video games. So whatever. that's your, that's whatever. your like, video game. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Do whatever. As long as it makes you fulfilled, mm. I don't think there's anything wrong with it. And yeah, mm. life in balance, actually, the people who find, I mean, mm. you know, I'm not judging anyone. But just, I feel like life in balance comes from a place of privilege. Mm. Like, if I don't think these days, especially if you're an immigrant, you just show up in the United States, you don't have any immigration status, you don't have a job, you have to finish your PhD, like your graduate studies, you have to find a job. How are you going to be back? Like, have a life? But there's no way yeah. you're, you're, you're constantly in survival mode. Yeah. You can't afford a uh, balance. Yeah. I know we we're saying, especially when you just started in a job, you don't know whether you're doing well or not well. Even if you're doing well, you still worry, oh, what if I get fired and get kicked out of the country? I think it's after a few years, you have a sense of, oh, okay, I'm actually okay. And I don't have to work over the weekend. I can push back if... It's I can push back if my my plate is full. So at that time you have the confidence, the experience, and then you can start to have more balance. Yeah, we worked you and I, and I think like so many people that you see. Oh, okay, these guys. We worked overnight so yeah. much over the weekend so mm. much. And I never nagged that hey my life is not balanced. I was yeah. like you know I'm gonna get there. Right. This is the vision I see and yeah. I'm going to get there. Mm. That's the process. It crosses over working nonstop yeah. over the weekend. Yeah. So be it, you mm. know? Yeah. So you have to basically earn the experience, the confidence to be balanced. Once you are a senior data scientist, people also trust your opinion more. You don't have to constantly... Uh, prove yourself. I mean, of course, some people can constantly burn like that. They keep working like that. They might get to their next goal faster. But at a certain point, you're going to ask yourself, what's the objective function for my life, not just for my career? Maybe I'm not at, you know, 200% of this momentum going to the next level of my job, but I'm more fulfilled in my life. Maybe I'm okay with being 70 of my career, but life-wise, I'm, I'm more balanced. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, yeah. So I, I, I like this take. Yeah, I think you're right. Sometimes balance, it is a, a privilege. Like I remember when I was in grad school, I was looking for a job. I wasn't thinking about balance. But on the other side, I could argue, even when we were working on our POC, they were so busy. I, I was looking at some other coworkers. They had their balance. I think it's also depending on how you manage your workload. At the end of the day, your manager might always see whether you can take on more work. It's up to you to say, hey, whether this is uh, enough for me. I think I also learned from my some of our coworkers, they they understand in order for me to deliver results consistently i need to i need to have this balance so even if they're early in their career i see them manage this pretty well and then they still get their promotion i think 
I could also argue a lot of the time we say, oh, balance is a privilege. It's rooted in a lot of fear in our head. So on one side, I agree with you, but I also think there might be a, a different story. So, but what, what, whatever works for you, I think that's for the audience to figure out themselves. Yeah, I yeah. mean, if someone wants to live a, like a balanced yeah. life, I mean, there's like I said, there is nothing wrong with that. Yeah. However, my point is, if you don't want to have the balance, like the mm. quote-unquote the written balance, yeah. I think that's perfectly fine yeah, as right. well. Because yeah. sometimes you actually can't live that balanced life. Right. Because you have a vision mm. and the vision crosses on the edge. So yeah. when you're on the edge to get mm. to the vision, you can't have the balance. Right, you have to have the momentum. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, also I think it's impossible to always in balance, it's okay to be off balance a little bit. You know, have you heard of the quote, I think by Naval? He said, work like a lion. So when you have a deadline, you work super hard, you're all in, you could work maybe 16 hours a day. And once you finish this, you rest, just enjoy yeah, the feast. Just chill, enjoy so the feast, yeah. While you're working, it could seem like this person is completely out of balance, but you can repeat the cycle. So whatever works for you, maybe you like to just work eight hours a day consistently for, yeah. you know, 10 years, or maybe you are in this kind of lion like work style. So like you said, everybody's balance is different. I would say maybe not a balance, find your own rhythm. Rhythm. I like that. Yeah. 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 I love this. I love this discussion. So, Maddie, you have a lot of collaborators. I know there are so many mentors or friends or people you collaborate on project. You just run into them in some random situation, which I don't think is completely random. So how do you, say, find a mentor or how do you get yourself so many new opportunities? Mm. That's a very good question. I mean, I think that I always look into people to learn from. Mm. And that learning is not just how to go up the corporate ladder. No. You know, or like how to learn the new encoder decoder architecture. Yeah. You know, yes, those two, mm. but general life view of life how does people look at life how do you actually go about experiencing it so i look into that from people my mentors i don't have particularly like mentors in my organization okay. you know i think honestly social media if you curate the messages you get mm. that's good like some of my mentors are my social media people that I follow. Yeah. I have to be honest yeah. with you. I think like the messages they give, it's remarkable. So, right. Yeah. So uh, anyone you can learn from. Yeah. Like this show, folks. Like, you know, you can learn so much from this show. That yeah. Now. You yeah. know, kudos to you for, you know, providing a platform for people like me to come and, you know, express themselves. Mm -hmm. You know, that's a lot. But also just being open to listen and lean in. How do you lean in? For example, you meet someone interesting. Do you just say, hey, can we have dinner sometime? How do you approach those new relationships? No, I, let me tell you something mm. like that. For example, when someone asks you, 
like, hey, how are you? Or like you go talk to them instead of just being like, oh, good. You can actually provide some context in the conversation. You can be like, yeah, I'm good today. I did this and that, which yeah. by the way, happened that like that. Right. And then basically, so technically in a conversation, I'm sorry that I'm treating it this way. You have, it's like you go narrow until you find something that the person is interested in, and then you go deep. Mm. When you go deep, then you ask questions and people love to talk. Right. You, you, you know, people love to talk. People love to express themselves. I mean, we are humans. Yeah, you know? yeah. Like the tribe, we would just mm. sit around the fire and everyone tells a story. People love to tell the stories, mm. right? Um, so so you plant the seeds in the conversation. Yeah, you can try different seeds with this person and see which one you resonate. Exactly. And once you resonate, you. So it's not like you meet someone interesting. You immediately like, hey, let's go to dinner. You're no, so cool. No, you don't no, have no, that bond. No. But you, you, you try different type of. The soul. So yeah, you yeah, try yeah. different type of topic, and if you did connect this natural, say, hey, maybe we can collaborate on the project, or I can work on your project, or yeah, I like that. If, if who, who, whoever collaborator you want to work with, this mm. is like my rule of thumb. I need to be friends with them. Yeah. Because, you know, if I am not friends with you, if I, I don't vibe with you, right. and, you know, how <laughs> am I going to like collaborate yeah, with you? you yeah. Know? I mean, job on the corporate wise, you are destined to mm. kind of like collaborate. But yeah. outside that, if you want to find collaborators, I would say, yeah, just okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Cool. Okay. Before we wrap up, Maddie, how do you see your future? Okay. Let me say this again. Yeah. yeah okay. Oh. Go, go. I feel like. Yeah. We have, we have that. Okay, so tell me. Yeah, please go. Okay, Maddie, so before we wrap up, now you're working on very exciting generative AI projects. How do you see your future career go? Hmm. Where do you want to be? Yeah, if I can find an outlet that I can focus completely on the sustainability side, mm. uh, I thought about it actually, I would take that route. Yeah. Maybe like cross of sustainability and AI, mm. because I think at the end of the day, AI and ML has a lot of power and, you know, applicability in the sustainability area. We can tackle a lot of sustainable challenges using machine learning and artificial intelligence. And I'm passionate about it. So I'm hoping, you know, I can, I still have some, for example, this year I went and I represented the, my org at the AWS Summit Sustainability Booth. So, mm. you know, I do some activities. Oh, like that's that. awesome. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, that reminds me of conversation I had with another guest. He worked on neuroscience, but his first job in Google wasn't related to neuroscience, but he always have that in the back of his head. So whenever mm. there's opportunity, he tried to combine neuroscience and AI it, it's very similar to your story. So basically, it's your brand. Okay. You're trying to merge your domain knowledge of sustainability to AI. And that's a, that can be a very cool niche mm -hmm. because not a lot of people in sustainability know AI and vice mm -hmm. versa. 
and you're gonna have this T-shaped career.、Mm. You have something as a generalist in data science and AI,、mm. and you're also very deep in sustainability.、Mm. I think that's、uh, very exciting. Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's like fingers crossed. That's that's the direction I'm going. I'm not in rush.、Mm. I just feel like I'm in still in training, right? I just being trained, and let's see. Maybe there's a day that I just feel empowered to take on the next journey. But for now, I think I wanna have fun, build generative AI applications. Yeah, maybe yeah. one day you'll create a generative AI movie on sustainability. Yeah, <laughs> that would be really fun. Yeah, yeah awesome. Well, it's so fun to have you on the Data Scientist Show to talk about, thank you, thank you. you know, the days when we work together and learn more about what you're doing right now. I'm very excited to, you know, I'm very excited about the future of your career. And of course, let us know when the movie you produce comes out. Yeah, absolutely. I'll,、uh, I'll let you know.、Yeah. Thank you so much, Dariana, for providing this opportunity once again. I admire you for what you've, you know, accomplished.、Thanks. Yeah, I give your example to so many of my friends, as someone who just wanted to do their own thing and doing their own thing. So I, I love it, Dariana. Yeah. Cool. Well, cheers. Yes, cheers. <laughs>